Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. And here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! What's up, Eagles fans? Welcome in to Birds 365. Obviously, I'm not Jody Mack. Bill Calarulo filling in for Jody today. Another day for us to realize the season is over. But we have not heard from our man John McMullen yet, who had a long journey back from Tampa Bay. So it's going to be good to hear from Johnny Mack. What's going on, Johnny? Uh, uh, yeah, it's great to be, well, it's not great to be back. Cause I was telling you guys before we got on, I had to stop over in Fort Lauderdale where it was a, a balmy 83 degrees. And then I'm back here and I'm chipping an inch of ice off the car. So, um, could be better from that perspective, could be better from the Eagles perspective, but yeah, clean out day today, uh, at down at the Novacare complex. That'll be this afternoon. Exit interviews, Nick Sirianni talking to the players, the coaches. And then ultimately later in the week, he'll have his through the ringer meeting with Jeffrey Laurie, Howry Roseman, that kind of stuff. And we'll get a clearer picture on what's going to go on with this team in the offseason. But clearly, even in the best of times, as you saw last season, Bill significant turnover on every NFL roster. That's just the way the modern NFL works. Uh, But you do get the sense there's going to be more than normal in Philadelphia, both the coaching staff and, and, and uh, the personnel part of it. And we'll see how it all lands, but uh, I get a Doug Peterson vibe. I'll tell you that. And by that, I mean, I, I think Jeffrey Lurie, as he goes into his meetings with Nick Sirianni, will go in with the idea that he's going to be back. Uh, but there are going to be clearly stated 
issues that have to be changed. And if, if, if Jeffrey doesn't like Nick's plans for those issues, then things can go off the rails. But uh, it's going to take a little bit of time for people expecting, oh, he's going to get fired today. Anything's possible. He can go in there and say, F you, Jeff, and he's fired. But I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, it doesn't seem like Jeffrey Lurie to make a real rash decision very quickly. Probably will take some time. But will we hear from Jeffrey Lurie at all this week, or does he usually not speak this week? No, he's he's not going to speak unless something major happens, unless, obviously, the head coach is, is released or the GM. Nobody talks about Howie, but he's got a big piece of this pie as well. Uh, but understandably so, people think he's safe. I think he's safe. I'm not trying to say he isn't. But, again, we're talking about one guy, really, and, and Jeffrey Lurie. So everybody's trying to – decipher what Jeffrey's going to do with this franchise. He has shifted in the past. He shifted, you know, from Andy Reid to Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly kind of broke him in the fact that he no longer wanted to coach with, uh, you know, sort of personnel power and took it back to the more traditional GM coach mindset. And who knows, maybe this breaks him and he goes back in the other direction. At the end of the day, you're talking about one guy. And for those people saying, well, he'll never fire Howie. He did once. He didn't fire him, but he demoted him. He shone beside him, put him on the other side of the building, albeit with a raise. But he had no power from a personnel perspective. Uh, he moved on from Joe Banner, who was his closest competent years and years ago. And he ultimately fired Andy Reid because he knows there's a shelf life for everybody in the NFL. And by no means. I mean, to this day, uh, Jeffrey Lurie will tell you, you know, what Andy Reid meant to this franchise and this organization and obviously where he is in the the pantheon of NFL coaches. I mean, Jeffrey knows how good he is, but you saw it this year with Bill Belichick. It might be a quarter century, Bill, but everybody's got a shelf life. Everybody. What they say, the NFL stands for not for long, right? That's what everybody says. So I want to talk to you more about the overall picture and the players and the coaching staff. But before we do, we haven't had a chance to talk about the game. Oh, an dang. embarrassing performance. Let's start on the defensive side of the football. Did it surprise you to see a team that really looked like it lacked effort, aggression, and inability to tackle? For me, I know they lack personnel. But it looked as if these guys weren't even given effort out there. What did you see from the defense? Yeah, that's the biggest concern for me because you start asking questions about, you know, tackling. There's technique involved. There's fundamentals involved. But a lot of it is effort, as you mentioned. And that was a performance. Like, I, I went into that game very comfortable. Did a number of spots here on uh, Jacob Sports around the country. Playoff game gets ramped up. I, I was very comfortable saying Nick Sirianni was going to be back as the head coach. Um, I couldn't envision this type of performance. I just couldn't even, you know, I, I, I they might lose the game, but it, it'll be relatively close. They'll be in it in the fourth quarter. Um, it was a disaster. Uh, but on both sides of the football, but particularly defensively because of the tackling issues. And I asked Nick about that after the game. And he's right from the standpoint he's been saying it for a couple of weeks. Um, 
for most of the season, they were top five by most advanced metrics when it came to tackling. Now, it's kind of a lost art in the NFL, the modern NFL, compared to what it used to be. So that part of it's a little bit baked in. But compared to everybody else, they were pretty good at it. And then down the stretch, everybody just said, oh, I'm done. I'm done tackling. What What's the reason for that, Bill? Is it because they're upset about the move from Sean Desai to Matt Patricia? Is they're upset at the head coach? They're not giving the effort. That's the kind of thing that can cost the coach's job more than um, a loss, even an ugly loss. If, if people perceive and if the owner – and the GM perceived, well, these are, these guys just aren't playing for him for whatever reason. That that could be what gets the pulled the plug faster than just about anything else. And that was the biggest concern for me coming out of that game. Just it certainly looked to the naked eye a lack of effort. It really did. And I rarely say that about NFL players because I don't think that's my place. I think everybody's comfortable saying, "Oh, this guy isn't trying." I see these guys every day. They work pretty stinking hard to show up on game day to embarrass themselves. So I got to go a long way before I say somebody's lacking effort. Um, but it looked bad. I will say that. It looked bad in Tampa. Yeah, it did look bad. And it looked bad on the defensive side of the football, but it didn't look any better on the offensive side. And when you look at the offense, I know a lot of fans were frustrated. I was frustrated. Going into that game, we all thought the game plan should be try to establish the run. Try to win the time of possession battle. You're missing your number one wide receiver in A.J. Brown. You have a quarterback who has a dislocated finger on his throwing hand. Okay, this is going to be the game. They ran for 200 yards in week three. This will be the game. They really lean on the offensive line and the run. They ran it five times and threw it 21 times in the first half. What the hell happened? Well, you know, I, I think it's interesting. I'll, I'll, an ode to my my tip, my usual partner, partner Jody Mack, that starts at the coin toss, you know. But I, I'm not going to kill the Eagles uh, for deferring. They win the co- coin toss and defer. Now, every, everybody's going to point to the Green Bay game and say, look at Green Bay. Well, Green Bay is in a situation where they're playing a heavily favored team at home who had scored – you know, historic numbers on their home field. So they came into that game saying, we got to run the football with Aaron Jones. We got to shorten the clock. We got to shorten the game against an explosive offense. And they played even better than that. They just blew Dallas off the field. But that was the mindset of Matt Matt LaFleur when he wins the toss and takes the football. In the Eagles' perspective, they're like, well, you know, Tampa Bay is not very explosive. Um so they they stayed true to the normal way of thinking around the NFL. You want to defer. You want the ball in the second half. You want to try to sandwich the first half and second half with scores. And, of course, it doesn't work because the defense is horrible. They did eventually hold uh, Tampa to a field goal on that first drive. And then they get the ball, and they start with two runs, and they're pretty successful. Well, the first run of the game was for nine yards, but they get a first down. And then comes the short pass to Julio Jones, short pass to Dallas Goddard. Your third and 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 two, very manageable, should be simple, incomplete pass down the field to Dallas Goddard. 
just very strange, very disconnected, very bad situational football. Um, and then you're off and running in the game. And the Eagles, again, the defense is so bad, they can't do anything against Tampa Bay, which I think people are going to see. If they if they haven't checked out on the season, uh, I think people are going to see um, Detroit pretty much handle business pretty easily against Tampa Bay. Um, not, not a tremendous football team. And I think it took them four plays to score on a 44 yard touchdown. Um, yeah. And then you're behind the eight ball and it becomes, can you be disciplined enough to stick with the running game? And the answer was no. And I I don't know if the answer shouldn't have been no because Tampa Bay scored on their first four possessions. And remember, the only reason it wasn't a complete blowout at that point was they dropped six passes. Yeah, I counted seven, but they were credited for six by halftime, Bill. And that was the most drop passes in a postseason game, game, not a half, game in 17 years. Wow. And they were still dominating. And they should have been up by three touchdowns by that point. That's how bad the defense was. And it wasn't just this game that this defense has been bad. I mean, really, this defense has been bad all year, but they've been really bad since they made the move to Matt Patricia a few games ago. And we've talked about that. I think Jody and I spoke about it yesterday on the show. Who do you think made that decision to change defensive coordinators with still four games left in the season? Was that Sirianni? Was that Howie Roseman? Well, I'll say this. I mean, I've said it pretty consistently. I think it was Nick's decision um, for a lot of reasons. Some I can't talk about. um, Some I can. But um, I'll I'll say this. For the people that don't think it was Nick's um, decision, which is possible, um, I think it's unlikely but possible, then he shouldn't even – you shouldn't even been thinking about firing the guy. This, this, that's his biggest fireable offense. If you want him out of town, that that's it. Forget about the offense. Forget about the blitz pickups. Forget about all that stuff. If you want the guy out of town and I'm not advocating they should fire him, but if the people, and there's so many people that do, you should be pointing to that decision because that decision was an absolute disaster. And it, and it came when they were where it started, where it started was at the bye week when they were eating one. Why are you even thinking about making a change when you're eating one? Number one. And then the second part is they took away third down autonomy from um, Sean Desai for the Dallas game the week before they fired, uh, demoted him, not fired him. Um, and they've gotten progressively worse against lesser competition. I think, and this is what I said when they made the move, look, it's pretty clear they didn't have confidence in Sean Desai. So if that's the case, that's the case. But then you should get the guy out of the building. Keeping him around isn't a good look either. But if you don't have confidence in him, I can see the thought process because that's what I had. I said, 
you know, the Eagles defense is going to get better over the final month of the season because of the schedule. It was it was due to the schedule. You were playing lesser competition. You weren't playing Buffalo, San Francisco, and Dallas any longer. You're playing the Giants and the Cardinals. Somehow it got worse. So my thought is my thought is that Nick said, you know what? If I make it here, the defense will gather some confidence against some poor opponents, and maybe we'll be ready to play at least serviceably in the playoffs. That's what I think the plan was. It got worse. Somehow it got worse, Yeah, which I is unbelievable. When, when they made the move, I tweeted out saying, Eagles fans, relax over the next few weeks thinking that Matt Patricia is the next coming of Jim Johnson. Look at who they're going to play. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it didn't, didn't work out at all, but Let's jump over real quickly back to the offense, though, because as bad as the defense has been, the one thing we've seen with this offense is an inability to have a plan for the blitz. Now, two weeks in a row, you had Wink Martindale in week 18 with the Giants. You knew he was going to blitz the hell out of Jalen Hurts. And now in this wild card matchup with Todd Bowles, you knew he was going to blitz Jalen Hurts. And it just didn't seem that there was a plan for the blitz and then you look at their third down conversions, 0 for 9 in that game, John, which was 0 for I've 11 if you want to add uh, fourth, fourth down. down. Yeah. So o what did you see? 11. Was there no plan for the blitz? Do you put that on the coaching staff or do you put that on Jalen Hurts? Um, I put it on everything a little bit, uh, certainly a little bit coaching staff, certainly a little bit scheme, certainly a little bit Jalen Hurts. Now, here's where I'm going to get in trouble for the first time of many in the upcoming weeks. If you ask me who's most responsible, I'm going to say Jalen Hurts. Um, it sure doesn't look like, you know, when you talk, for instance, you know, everybody's obsessed with hot, hot routes, uh, site adjustments, which is basically where the quarterback's got to get on the same page as the, the wide receivers. Well, think about site adjustment. Think what that means. Well, you got to see it. And you got to adjust. If you don't see it, and if you don't adjust, and if it's in the offense, if it's in the game plan, well, whose fault is that? So, A, if you want to blame it on the coaching staff, stop talking about hot routes, number one. Number two, which is basically a high school concept and everything, you can go watch your local high school game. It ain't hard to put in an NFL offense. So that part of the criticism is ludicrous. Um, you know, it's interesting if you go back to the Seattle game, for instance. Think about the situation of that game. There's be, and we now know because AJ Brown is confirmed. He he called it, and 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 it probably got it probably got reported a little bit poorly in certain circles because of the word uh, um, AJ used. And uh, it, it, it basically was a check at the line of scrimmage and AJ called it. Well, I forget. He didn't say freelancing, but he used. Um, yeah. I'm forgetting the word now too. Yeah. I'll look it up in the break, but uh, he basically said they were freelancing. They weren't, they were making a normal check. And if they execute it properly, who knows? Maybe they win the game and it's not that big of an issue. Uh, but they didn't. And Nick um, protected the players with a pretty goofy explanation um, and came across looking pretty poorly 
which showed his loyalty to the players and his willingness to protect the players. AJ stepped up. Jalen didn't when it took to accountability. Let's be honest. He, he could have done it. He could have said, you know what? My, my coach is looking pretty bad right now. Um, I could step up here and explain that that was on me. He didn't do it. Um, is there a disconnect between Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni? Because that, you know, in that battle, if there is a battle, well, the quarterback's going to win. Yeah. The quarterback's going to be here. And if he doesn't want the coach here, then Nick's, is, Nick's in trouble. But it's interesting to me, he doesn't go out of his way, and he did it again after the game in Tampa when he was asked about if Nick's going to be back, and he sort of soft-pedaled it. And um, But that's Jalen. He's always that way. So I can't tell you if it's purposeful um, or it's just him doing his normal flatline type of presence, which has got him to the point where he is. Um, yeah. 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 That's what threw me off, too. I felt like Jalen had a few opportunities over the last few weeks to put his support behind Sirianni and he hasn't done it. And when he was asked about, what A.J. Brown said, that Nick Sirianni took the blame for you guys. Well, he said, there's a lot you guys don't know. In fact, you don't know what you don't know. At, instead of saying, yeah, Sirianni does have our back, and I, I ride with Sirianni, or whatever words he wanted to use, but I agree with you. But we got a lot more to talk about. We'll talk about this coaching staff more and a lot of personnel decisions. We're going to be joined, like we are every week, by Mike Gill from 97.3 Sports Bash after the break. So stay tuned, Birds fans. Hit that like button for us. We'll be right back. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, everybody? Welcome back in to Birds 365. Usually with Mac and Mac. Obviously, I'm not Jody Mac filling in for Jody today with the one and only John McMullen. Wish we were here getting ready for a divisional playoff game, but instead we're talking about what's going to be a long offseason with a lot of decisions to make. And we'll get into all the coaching decisions and the coordinators in a second, but I want to keep talking to John about Jalen Hurts because, John, last year, as sad as we were, the way Super Bowl 57 ended, we all left that game thinking, we got an MVP franchise quarterback. We're going to be getting back to the Super Bowl a lot with this guy leading this offense. And I know there's a lot of fans out there who now question, did the Eagles give Jalen Hurts that big contract too soon? Is Jalen Hurts the answer? Is this a guy who's able to read defenses and pick up the blitz what did you see from Jalen Hurts this season? Did you see a quarterback that regressed? And do you think it's fixable going forward? Uh, I did see a quarterback that regressed, but I, I do think it's fixable uh, going forward as well. I mean, this was such a weird season and trying to get in contact with Mike Gill as we do the show, see what's going on with Mike. But uh you know, we're talking about if you looked at the betting markets when the Eagles were 10 and 1, Jalen Hurts was the favorite to be MVP. And then just like the rest of the team, he fell off a cliff. And now it's kind of silly to think about that, uh, that he was in the MVP conversation. So he was playing at a really high level for a long period of time, even though maybe the style points weren't there um, earlier in the season. And then everything just went to you-know-what. And the question is, why? Did he all of a sudden turn into a bad football player? I, I don't think that's the case. And that's where, you know, people want to blame the coaching staff, whether it's the change um, from Shane Steichen to uh, Brian Johnson, whether it's the change from Brian Johnson, a quarterback coach, Alex Tanney, whether it's Nick Sirianni himself. Um it's, it, it's, you know, partially everything, but this is the first time, and the Eagles have always made a big deal of this, uh, Bill. Jalen Hurts, if you can go back to his time in college, even when he was benched at Alabama, you look at every season, 
and every season in the pros to this point, he got incrementally better, got a little bit better, got a little bit better, got a little bit better, a little bit better. Tremendous his final season in Oklahoma. Um, starts off here, got a little bit better from rookie where he was forced in late in the season, wasn't fair. Then he turns into a starter. He gets him to the playoffs, um, surprises everybody. Then he explodes into the MVP candidate. This is the first season he has regressed in his entire football career. Um, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Um, I don't think anybody's happy with it. And I think Jalen's first in that list. Um, the question is, how do you fix it? How do you get it back to where it was? That's what this league does to you. Um, they adjust and everybody spent the off season trying to look at what the Eagles were doing successfully and adjust to it and try to take away the good things that the quarterback can do. And then the truly great quarterbacks adjust to that and make in this continuous back and forth, a continuous back and forth happens all the time. Um, and Jalen's going to have to respond, and he's going to have to respond understanding um, what he needs to do and understanding it can't be the same because teams are taking away um, some of the strengths of his game and trying to force him into doing things he's um, less comfortable with, like dumping the football off to a running back, like throwing the football over the middle of the field, like hot routes and trusting the receivers and and – taking maybe the seven-yard gain on third and three instead of taking a deep shot to A.J. Brown or Dallas Goddard. Um, they had so many explosive plays. I think they fell in love with the explosive plays. Um, but just when you think you have this game figured out, it will come back to absolutely bite you into you-know-what. I, I remember covering Dante Culpepper. People may forget when... Uh, he was a great player before his knee injury, was Offensive Player of the Year, um, had a tremendous, I think it was 2004, threw for 4,700 yards at 39 touchdowns. Passer rating was at 110.9. Um, just a not one of the best seasons I've ever seen from a quarterback. And I remember he came back the next year and he said, the game has slowed down for him. And I said, uh oh. Hmm. I, I just, I literally remember saying, uh oh. The minute you think that, and he was really good the next year, it wasn't like um, uh, an immediate drop off, but then he got hurt. He got, he really had a significant knee, knee injury in the seventh or eighth game, and he was never the same. The, the minute you think you have this thing solved is the minute. They're going to catch up to you. And Jalen has to realize, all right, now it's his turn. And he's got to get better, and he's got to evolve the parts of his game that weren't a strength. I still have faith in Jalen on the field. I do think that some of what you saw this year was with the offense and the play designs, but he definitely needs to be better. That safety he took in the second half against the Bucks is something you see rookie quarterbacks do. That ball wasn't snapped at the two-yard line. 
That ball wow. was snapped at the 14-yard line. You cannot take a safety in that situation. I'm glad you brought that up, Bill, because a lot of people criticize Kenny Gainwell, and they forget. And Kenny's trying to make a play, and that was a bad play by Kenny Gainwell when he took the big loss. But then they recovered and got the pass out to Dallas Goddard. They had plenty of room. There's no re no need to take a safety there. Yeah. Just, you know, but he's trying to make a play. They're struggling. I get all that. But that's part of the weakness. You have to learn, even in that type of situation, to play for another down, perhaps, if something isn't there. Um, yeah, a lot of little things like that. Yeah, just a lot of mistakes this year by Hurts. But like I said, I still have confidence in him on the field. This is a guy who set records, literally set records in Super Bowl 57, putting up stat lines nobody's ever put up in the history of the game. But the one thing that has me a little bit concerned is the one thing you've always heard about Jalen Hurts was he was a good leader. Same thing with Nick Sirianni. They had a great culture here. This was a team that could battle adversity. And now you start to look at what happened over the last few weeks. It seems like maybe there's some cracks in the foundation of that culture. You're hearing some leaks about how the team wants Jalen Hurts to be a more vocal leader. You see Jalen Hurts on the sidelines now, and I don't like trying to figure out what they were talking about. I know Goddard said after the game it was a mistake he made, but you see him and Goddard going at it a little bit. And everything we loved about Jalen Hurts, how stoic he was, how when he would talk to the media, it was always those cliches and he wouldn't give anything. Well, now all those things are being used kind of against Jalen, saying he's not a good leader. Enough with the cliches. Enough hearing about the last thing he said to the media was it wasn't our turn. This year, I think that rubbed people the wrong way a little bit. But do you think that Jalen Hurts, that there's some truth in the fact that the team wants him to be a more vocal leader? They want him to be a better leader of these guys. Um, yes and no. In the case of he's very stoked, and we're going to get Mike Mike Gill. As you mentioned, I, I you, people love that about him. Um, and now they dislike about him. It's basically the difference between <laughs> winning and losing, Bill. That's yep. what it is. When you're winning, it's great. Oh, yeah. When you're losing, people want explanations. And I never get that part of it. What do you, what now? The one aspect, and it's a very small lane, and you can bring Mike up whenever you can, Xander. But here's our buddy, Mike Gill. We're talking about Jalen Hurts and his just his his personality is uh, how stoic he is, Mike. And I, I I look at one specific lane that I have a problem with, and I brought it up earlier on the show. He didn't defend his coach when he had a chance to defend his coach. That I'd say, well, what's going on there? I don't care about anything else. It's like it it, it from a coaching perspective. Guys, if Nick Sirianni went out there and said, you know what, so-and-so stinks, this was a horrible game, fan base would be just, just <laughs> so upset. But yet they get they get upset when he says, I got to do a better job, when he protects them, when he says stupid stuff about drawing pass interferences down the field. Well, which one do you want? You can't have both. Same thing with Jalen Hurts. That's how I look at it. Yeah, guys, good morning. Yeah, this I, I've been having this um, discussion for weeks, though. I didn't just kind of come to this uh, when this has started to go bad. You know, this is the classic Jalen Hurts. When things are fine, 
and you're in your mind, you're like, this guy only cares about winning the Super Bowl, winning a game in week 14. He's above that. But if you can't have joy in success and when things start to go bad and everybody's kind of waiting for you to be the pivot man and you're still kind of in this robotic world, it's almost like the downfall of Andy Reid. When you're winning, I got to do a better job works when you lose four times a year. But when your team stinks, I got to do a better job every week catches up to you of You've been telling me you need to do a better job. The job is not getting better. And Jalen has almost become Andy, where the standard's the standard. Well, you're not playing to the standard. What else do you got? What other button can you push in that, you know, robotic answer that you're giving us? And 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 there could you would know better, John, but like from the outside looking in, are some of the other players saying, Man, we're kind of getting waxed here and and you got nothing for it. Like we're, we're turning to you for something to make this sound better. And you're not helping matters at all here. So I, I can see like, if you can't have the joy in the success and now things aren't going your way, is that going to work? Is there only one way to be a leader? And he only knows it with, because quite frankly, let's be honest, most of his life, he's only, He's the only one. Right. He's the only one. So, yeah, I I could certainly see why those things – and quite frankly, you know, part of the team's – he's an interesting cog in the reason why the team isn't what we had anticipated, right? Everybody kind of looks at him and said, well, he regressed. What part of the offensive regression – did he, what role did he have in the offense's regression? Did he regress because the offense regressed? Did he regress because the offensive system was so bad that it actually held him back and drug him down? That's a whole session with a person who gets paid <laughs> a hell of a lot more than I do. Yeah, yeah and, and let's talk about the elephant in the room here, which is Nick Sirianni, and is he going to keep his job? And one of the concerns I have, whether they keep Nick Sirianni or not, they're probably, I would assume, going to make a change at the offensive coordinator. And now, what do you do with Jalen Hurts? Because we saw him for the first time last year have a offensive coordinator for back-to-back seasons with Shane Steichen. And look at the season that Jalen Hurts has. Now you change offensive coordinators, and whether you love Jalen or not, there's no doubt he took a step back this year, a big step back this year. So (laughs) if they were to move on from Nick Sirianni, and I'll get your opinion on if they should, but if they were, I know a lot of people who are talking about Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick. Would you bring in a defensive coach? I think with a quarterback that you're paying that much money to, I like the idea of bringing in an offensive-minded coach who's going to be able to grow with Jalen as opposed to dealing with the defensive coach who brings in an offensive coordinator that the moment they have success, they get hired, and now you're going through the same cycle. Yeah, that's a good point, Bill, in that you kind of want someone to kind of – the synergy that you have with Hurts, you you would want someone to probably be an offensive-minded guy because you invested so much in him, and the whole league is that way. But there's plenty of, you know, like, I don't know. What's more important in the world? I I am one of these people that feel like 
just because you are a good play caller, why does that make you a good leader of men? Why, why would that make you qualified to be the head coach? I, I hate these like, well, this guy was like an offensive genius or a defensive mastermind. And then the whole thing of like the guy had a great defense all year and then he had a bad game in the playoffs. And therefore that one bad game is the yeah, reason why he's one, not going to get yeah. hired. Like, it's a resume of things like a Vrabel wouldn't concern me because he has had success in the league as a coach. His offensive coordinators have changed. I mean, he lost Arthur Smith. Now the team wasn't as good, but that also coincided. Offensive with- genius, by the way. How did that work out in Atlanta? Uh, yeah, I, I do not like the way he used B. John Robinson at no, all no. this year. He had a lot of weapons. Now the quarterback, but that's the thing. The quarterback wasn't very good in Atlanta. But I, So I, I see your point. I just think it's more important to get the right guy who is in charge of the entire team. So many times we worry about just the quarterback. And, yes, the quarterback is very important. But – you know, Nick Sirianni showed he got this team and give Nick credit. He got this team to the playoff the first year by being a good coach. They were two and five. And he said, we're not good enough doing what we're doing. We've got to simplify this team. We do have, we have no weapons. Let's run the ball. And they essentially used the offensive line and ran themselves to the playoffs. That was a great job by Nick or whoever you want to give credit for pivoting in that moment. And then last year, you know, they had a team that really kind of grew together and Hertz became the superstar of that team as the quarterback. But really it was a team effort of, uh, and I thought Nick did a really good job of just kind of being the CEO manager of that team. But I kind of, I don't know, Bill, you have a law background. You ever watch suits? I never did. Everybody tells me to watch that show. All right. Well, the (laughs) concept of, you know, they had this firm and Harvey is the one of the managing partners with Jessica and Mike, who they bring in. And then everybody starts leaving him. And then Harvey's not the same. He's having problems dealing with the fact that his group of guys isn't there anymore. And I'm wondering if like Nick got too much too fast, but he was able to handle it because he was comfortable in his surroundings with Shane and John, who he got to bring with him. And now everybody's leaving him. And and in the show, Harvey's like, well, what, are you going to leave too? Are you going to be the next one that leaves? And Brian Johnson gets a – his name is in the circle, and it's like, now you're going to leave too? Like, yeah. I didn't sign up for this job. I got it and brought my friends with me, and we had a great time and success. And now look what I'm left with here. So I think you need someone who is ready for this job. Um, I know they've done it before. They found guys, Andy and Doug. But one thing I wonder, and I don't know how deep Sirianni's Rolodex is. If you keep plucking guys from him, who else is he bringing in here? I mean, where else is he going to hire people? And at that point, you get to the next phase. Is he going to be start giving people? This is your coordinator, like it or not. And does he want that job? Now, he would say, is he getting another job? Doug Peterson knows he's getting another job. Does Nick Sirianni know he's getting another job if he doesn't just suck it up and take it? I don't know know about that. Really? Uh, Nick Sirianni would be hired quickly. You think? think. Yeah, very quickly. I I think, you know, in a lot of ways, I find this conversation just amazing. I mean, the guy's got a 667 winning percentage. 
and he's made the playoffs three consecutive years, three out of three. And you look around at these other organizations who, you know, Detroit just won their first playoff game in three decades. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's so many of these organizations that have struggled to find things. And you look at just his class um, where everybody thought, oh, the Eagles are behind the eight ball because they were late. They didn't get Brandon Staley wouldn't interview with the Eagles. What disrespect. Well, thank God Brandon Staley didn't interview with the Eagles. Arthur Smith, Robert Sala, awful, awful, awful. The only one still employed, nobody knows why he's employed, and that's Robert Sala. But, um, yeah, it's amazing to me where we are where we are. That happened in the last cycle, too, with Peterson when he got hired. Yeah, exactly. But, John, the Eagles, John you got to – yeah. You got to understand, though, where the fans are coming from here is, yes, but as good, I, as, good I'm as gonna get upset right right now. I'm gonna get people, I don't give a shit about the fans, Bill. Yeah, but and that's here's where I, you get in trouble. That's but here's where what I'm talking trouble. about. But this is what I mean by it. And whether you're talking about fans or anybody, as good as Sirianni has been with the record and what they've done over the years, and I'm not saying that they should move on from him, but the reason I think they need to consider it is because you've also never seen an historic collapse like what we've seen over the last seven games. And you got to go back to what, the 1986 Jets to see a team that fell apart like that? And I would have said, before the Giants game, anyone calling for Sirianni's job, I said it on my show, complete overreaction. And then you saw the way they came out against the Giants. And then you saw the way they came out against the Tampa Bay Bucks in a playoff game. And that's why I think at this point, not saying they should, but you should consider moving on from Sirianni, even in light of the fact that his record is as good as it is, because I've never seen a team really look like they've given up when they're still in the playoffs. Well, and that's the part I mentioned, guys, that concerned me the most was the effort, uh, you know, but I've been bringing up the the longest tenured coaches. And I, I don't think because we just lost two of them, Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll, and everybody's got a shelf life, as I said. But if you look at the longest tenure coaches with one team in the NFL right now in the wake of, of Belichick leaving and um, Pete Carroll, it's Mike Tomlin, 17 seasons, number one. By the way, 17-0 and when it comes to winning seasons. 17-0. and Never had a losing season. Number two, 16, John Harbaugh, best team in the AFC. Number three, Andy Reid, best coach in the NFL. Um, by far, now that Bill Belichick is out for the time being. Next, seven seasons, Sean McDermott, pretty good team. Has some issues. Kyle Shanahan has some issues. Pretty good team. Sean McVay, pretty good team. Won a Super Bowl, had to revamp. He's back in the playoffs, almost upset the Lions. Then it comes down to five seasons. Zach Taylor with Joe Burrow, pretty damn good. Matt LaFleur, pretty damn good. Continuity matters. That doesn't – every single one of those coaches, every single one of those coaches has had struggles, and it would be easy to pull the plug. Easy. But you got to get to the other side. And, Mike, you brought up – has anybody paid attention to Jeffrey Lurie? He's not hiring Bill Belichick. He's not hiring anybody with cachet. He's gone what he wanted. He hired Doug Peterson – and Nick Suriani, because they will sit in their position and allow Howie to build the personnel 
he's going to have to change his whole organizational philosophy and forget about a defensive coach. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to hire any of those big name people. The the you know the Vrabels, the Belichicks. I, I wouldn't think he would go that route. So uh, if people like, I, I think I've asked you on my show because I've got questions a lot from from my viewers and listeners. Is is more um, well? Do you have to change your thinking because of the candidates that are available to you this year? You know, because you have such and and at the time, Mike Tomlin was even teetering. And now he has said he's going to go back. Um, I, I will say, look, Sirianni, this is a really tough case, Bill. You bring up the part of the, the epic collapse. You talked about all these guys. McVay, he had a bad year. They got a ton of injuries. So it wasn't like he had a roster full of guys that was 10 and one and then they fell apart. And it's not just that you lost. Okay, I can lose to San Francisco and Dallas and even get blown out in those games. It's not a situation of I'm Miami and Dallas where every time I play a good team, I just lose. But I'm in the game. I'm just kind of missing by a play or I step out of bounds. I'm getting my ass kicked by completely inferior opponents. Like, completely inferior rosters. I am getting absolutely Rochambeaued and dominated in the game. Not one week, but two months worth of just having no answers. That almost erases the success you've had to the point to get you there. So that's where, do you want to become the Brandon Staley situation where everybody is saying you should be fired or you need to move on from him. And then you say, nah, I'm going to keep giving this guy another shot. And then you're nine weeks in the season and you decided I wasted another season because my team is getting their ass kicked by an inferior product. That is where I think, you know, and John, I asked you yesterday, I was with you. I said, the only way I see Sirianni not making it, is if they are completely non-competitive again and it's on the defensive side of the ball. And I'm going to trust what you've said, John, that that was Sirianni's decision. Well, guess what? If your decision was to change the coordinator... And I, yeah, that's, and that was his biggest mistake. I've said And it, that so. was your product in a playoff game. Your decision as the CEO of that roster was an epic failure and it now cost you your job. I'm sorry. By the way, real quick, and I want to jump in because uh, Jason Kelsey on on his show, his podcast is kind of backtracked on retirement. Whoa. And he said, I just don't think you're in a position after a game like that to really make that decision. Uh, I just don't. There's too much emotion in the moment. Uh, there's too much going down in the moment to really fully grasp that decision. Now, I still think Jason is going to retire. He probably wants to announce it on his show, New Heights show with Travis. Um, I think ultimately he's going to retire, but at least backtracking a little bit. But what I think, I wanted to say that quote for two reasons. One, I wanted to let the fans know that Jason has not officially retired. But that quote is is perceptive on, on two two parts of this. There's too much emotion in the moment to make rational decisions. He's 100% right. And I know, Mike, you and I talked about Troy Aikman. Eagles have been getting just blitzed by every national guy. Uh, this is the most embarrassing offense ever, blah, blah, blah. 
all, all the film guys, a lot of guys I'd like, a lot of guys who are very good. This is, this is ridiculous, on and on and on. And I think Troy's word was re-energized. You need, and I know because people get upset at me, and when I said I don't care about the fans, I meant you can't make decisions based on the fans' emotion in the moment. Now, of course they're upset. I get it. It was, as you mentioned, Mike, I, I couldn't even envision them playing this poorly in Tampa Bay. So I get it, but it's still an emotional decision. I think if you take two steps totally back, agree. you're going to step one, and you're going to have another guy. Even if you get a Ben Johnson, they're not. He's he's the flavor of the month. Even if you get somebody like that, you're starting over with a young first-time coach who's learning on the job. And by the way, you're going to take back you're take a step back personnel wise, guys, because you got to make all these decisions and got to rebuild this roster, got to make a, a number good of, of good decisions. And that's where I want to go. Personnel. I'll be the first in line. I'll be the first to raise my hand. We all overrated this team personnel wise. I keep hearing Nick Scariani screwed up the 85 Bears. They ain't that good. They're not that good. Well, They're on the not defense, better. On the defensive side of the ball, for sure, they lack personnel. I'll There's tell no you doubt. what, offensively, you saw what they are without A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown, think about 2021 to 2022. I talk about it all the time. A.J. Brown was the final piece of that puzzle. Everything fell into place. And when you don't have A.J. Brown, who, by the way, is the best pure football player on the Eagles, all of a sudden, everybody's out of position. Devontae Smith isn't a two, he's a one. Dallas Goddard isn't a three, he's a two. Quez Watkins is on the field. Um, DeAndre Swift, Miles Sanders ran for 1,200 yards. The offensive line is great, but they weren't as good. Mike, you and I talked about how many people had career years in 2022. Yeah. And they all came back. I think a lot. I think the the offensive line point is definitely you know, Pro Football Focus ranks them number one for whatever that's worth. They were not the same offensive line. My lot had a rough year. Um, The right guard position was you know you had Jurgens in. He was out. I mean he had an awful game the other night. He just yeah. And 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 Sayamala was such a steady force in there. I don't know that we understand how much Sayamala did and how important he was. I mean even in the playoff game. Uh, the other night, Dickerson. I mean, he got blasted on a play that he gets pushed in the 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 uh, the, the safety. The, you know, Dickerson. That safety happens because Dickerson got whipped on the play, and, and you know, Hertz is constantly getting pushed out. Um, now people are blitzing them all over the place. I mean, so obviously their blitz pickup and packages were, were a disaster. How much of the offensive line is at fault there? But now you're going to potentially lose your center. Move Jurgens there, probably Steen at right guard. So is your line taking a step back? Um, and then, right, you saw them without A.J. Brown. They were a very resemblance of the team that went to Tampa a couple of years ago and just didn't have anything. Um, but that's a lot. Like, you know, San Francisco lost three games in a row this year because Debo Samuel was out. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean. Who was a, a guy a. of that magnitude? Right. Um, your, your you team can't replace. Gonna, yeah, you can't one replace. One of the things this team had, we talked about it in the – 
training camp. If Smith or Brown got hurt for any extended period of time, they didn't have a third option at all. And we saw that. You know, you talk about the roster, the defensive side of the ball. I mean, okay, did anybody see James Bradbury going from a second-team all-pro to unplayable? That's a hard one to predetermine, yeah. right? Yeah. And then Slay, who I think last year we thought was taking a dip a little bit. He played good this year. He wasn't great. He wasn't awful. Then he gets hurt, and now you're playing Ringo and Ricks and Maddox. You just can't trust him. He can't stay on the field. He's a good player when he's on the field, but you can't trust him. I said yesterday, they made five decisions on defense. All five of them were the wrong ones, and it's not their fault. Hargrave gets a huge deal. You draft Jalen Carter. Okay. Hargrave's better than Carter long-term. I think Carter might be a, a, a fine wash there. You let Epps go, and Blankenship was not as good. You let jo Carter, jo uh, Chauncey Carter-Johnson go, and that safety position next to whoever was a disaster. Edmonds and Evans, and then Bayard can't play anymore. You let TJ Edwards go, and his replacement was a downgrade. You let Kaiser White go, and his replacement. So you had five guys leave and didn't replace him with an upgrade in any of the spots. And then the guys you did have return. They all had career years last year and all took a step back. And that was a big factor, not to mention you change coordinators not once, but twice. So epic disaster on the defensive side of the ball and now a ton of decisions to make over there. Yeah. Yeah, great point. The only thing I disagree with you on is saying it's not their fault because I think we need to put the fault on Howie Roseman. You said you, no one could have expected James Bradbury to take a step back as big as he did. Okay, I'll give you that one. But we were all talking about, all offseason, that they were ignoring the linebacker position, that they were putting every single hope and dream on the Kobe Dean who played 34 snaps. They ignored the safety position. Howie Roseman tried to piecemeal a defense that has Super Bowl aspirations. They brought in Nick Morrow that the Bears didn't want. They had to bring in Shaq Leonard later in the season that the Colts didn't want. They had to sign Zach Cunningham during training camp that nobody wanted. Did the same thing at safety. Terrell Edmonds, Mike Tomlin said, you started for us for five years. Here, take him on a cheap one-year deal. They brought in Justin Evans, who's been on IR his entire career. They made the decision to bring back Derek Barnett. Now, I don't think the mistake was cutting him when they did. I know fans are upset because he went on the Houston and play well. I think the mistake was bringing him back. He gives you nothing. Then you cut him. Now you have no depth at the edge position. And where I think all this happened, Mike, look at the last four drafts that Howie Roseman has done since 2019. And look at the defensive players that have been drafted. None of them outside of the rookie class and outside of your D tackles. You're getting zero contributions from any defensive player that Howie Roseman drafted. And when you do that with the salary cap and you don't have guys on their rookie contracts contributing to your team, you're not going to have a lot of success trying to do these one-year hits. So I put this defense on Howie Roseman, not on Sirianni, not even on... Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Sean Desai or Matt Patricia. Oh, yeah. yeah. This one's on Howie. Oh, yeah. Listen, um, you know, and you're right. I mean, they haven't drafted a corner that could play in 20 years. I mean, when's the last time they drafted a corner that's theirs that they drafted? They had to then. And you talk about the next phase. What are you going to do with Bradbury? I mean, the money you got to pay him the next two years is, I mean, and look, he makes the offer to Chauncey Garner Johnson. It's a low ball offer. And then he leaves. So then he basically says, all right, well, we made you an offer. You didn't take it. So we'll go sign Bradbury. And then I have my two corners back. Well, both those guys got old overnight. You have no replacements there. You mentioned Dean. It's the one area on the field where they drafted a guy that most people liked and thought could play. So I can let – I don't know that they – see, that's where it's like, okay, did you have to let both linebackers and both – what about bringing one of the safeties and one of the linebackers? So now you're only replacing yeah. one and one. Instead, they let them both go at both levels of the defense. And really, as you mentioned, they didn't have a safety that they could plug in there. They thought Blankenship could play full-time. I mean, that's a that's an oversight. And, and you- even – not only that, Mike, if you bring back – forget about CJ and TJ – because they were the more expensive ones. If you bring back Marcus Epps and Kaiser White, I think you're settled down a lot more. Yeah. You have a a way easier path to being, again, serviceable, which I I think should have been the goal. Yeah, I I don't, they weren't going to be number two in defense. They weren't going to be number one in pass defense. They weren't going to have 70 sacks, but they could have been serviceable. If you bring back people well, and, like, and like a guy like Reddick, I mean, do you watch him and say, why did Reddick? I mean, he had a good year. Remember, he had the club on his hand early with the broken thumb, so that got him off to a slow start. He had a good charge in the middle there, and then he dropped off at the end. But is he just dropped off? Is it the schemes different? Why did Reddick not kind of have the same impact? Same with Sweat. I think if you watch Sweat, you can see he doesn't have the same explosion. He just looked slow. Um, that I think was the snap counts. He was really good early in the season. Remember they had always had him on a pitch count because of what happened to him in high school. He had a catastrophic leg injury and they were always very cognizant. Hey, we got to be careful with this guy. And all of a sudden he turns into a good player and they're like, all right, knees held up for years. It's ready to go. And he just played a career high in snaps and, he wasn't the same in the second half of the season. We all talk about with Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis not used to playing snaps. Add Josh Sweat into that category as well. I don't think they manage that well. Um, and that's probably more on the coaching side because, you know, it's a rotational position. you got to manage somebody's snaps. But I find it amazing that the best players on the Eagles defense that played, you know, Nolan Smith might have had his best game, but didn't mean much. But if you look at PFF, the best players on the Eagles defense were Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox. I mean, still Brandon, still Fletcher. A lot of these young guys just have to learn. Oh, how and to that's play. a microcosm. You know, think about it offensively. If you build an offense around Julio Jones, great player, 
you yep. can't have those no, guys. You can't do it. Exactly. Have, right. They can't exactly. be your best player. And if at the end of the game, you looked at your team and, and your two guys in their mid thirties were your best player, you got major problems on, the, on that side of the ball. Offensively, I think you have enough talent, but the big question is going to be, what's that offense going to look like? Because if it looks like the offense that we just saw for the last six weeks, that that's that's going to be a big problem next year. So you have to make a decision. Are you going to demote or get rid of Brian Johnson and put another new offense in? Now Hertz is going through, what, his 19th play caller. That'll be a story. Oh, he's got another new play caller. You know, what, what system are they going to look for for him? I mean, you've got some major questions that you have to start figuring out now. And I don't think they anticipated these questions coming like this at this rate of speed. No. Not this soon either, Mike. But before we let you out the door, I know Jody always likes to ask you what T-shirt you're wearing. I see Penn today. Yeah, a little Penn Quaker oh, yeah. action for the Good people job, out there. I the figured, uh, you know, I'll try to keep it local for the day. I'm normally out of the area. Yeah. But uh, Penn was the first one on the pile this morning. Nice I job like by you, Bill, saving the T-shirt part of the segment. Yeah, uh, see, I pay, I pay I, attention. I, I was worried about getting Mike on the show because he, you know, he forgot. So, uh, but I'll let you. Well, I've been having the last couple of weeks. It's quiet in here. The last couple of times I've been on, the I've been getting my bathroom upstairs remodeled, right. and the remodelers were always running around and stuff. And today it was quiet. I just was kind of sitting here. And in peace and quiet, and John Texas. Tranquility. I, I ruined your tranquility. I <laughs> yes. apologize for that. Well, last thing before you leave, one word answer. <laughs> the next time you come on the show, is Nick Sirianni still the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Th- that's Mike Gill. Uh, hey, hey, wait, real quick. Business on the air, Mike. Uh, clean out days today. I'm going to be in the locker room at uh, three o'clock, so uh, uh, we're going to have to work something else out. Gotcha. All right, I'll text you. A lot of good info though uh, coming up in days coming. Yeah, I, I, and I say yes based on I think they just want to give him another shot. I like. I think yeah. they legitimately like Nick and want it to work with Nick. But I'm 50-50, Bill, on that answer. Yeah, who would have thought we'd be here less than a year ago, right? Well, that's Mike Gill, 97.3 Sports Bash. This is me and Johnny Mack holding down the fort for Birds 365 with no Jody today. We'll be right back, guys. Hit that like button. Stay tuned.
Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamite & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Hundred thirty-nine days ago, John, was when Super Bowl Fifty Seven ended, and all of us thought, "No problem, we're going to get back next year." And now we sit here and we're actually debating whether or not they're going to change the head coach. What a year it has been, and we're spending a lot of time talking about should they change head coaches? What are they going to do with the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator? But let's talk about the personnel for a second because a lot of free a lot of free agents on this team a lot of veteran leaders that could be moving on you mentioned in the last segment Jason Kelsey saying he has not announced his retirement yet but there's a chance you lose Kelsey you lose BG you lose Fletcher Cox and I look at that defense let's keep it on the defense you're losing both of your linebackers that started for you this year you're probably losing (laughs) I would say who cares yeah exactly And then the question I have, which is the big one for me, because he's not a free agent, but Hassan Reddick, at the start of this season, he didn't make a big deal about it, but he wasn't happy with his contract. Well, now he's entering the final year of his deal. So I don't think if he wasn't happy at the start of last season, I highly doubt he's going to be happy playing on a one-year deal with the Eagles. So what's going to happen with the personnel on that defensive side of the Yeah, ball? they got a lot of decisions to make. The corners as well. James Bradbury, Darius Slay, Reddick. Um, yeah, because he's going to want more money, and and that's a position you have to pay in this league. And, you know, I think the Eagles' hope was, to be honest, that Nolan Smith would hit the ground running and show that he was going to be a top-tier edge rusher and maybe you can get away with going in a different direction than Reddick as he ages. 
Um, can't do that because Nolan Smith uh, barely was a blip on the radar as a rookie. Now, that doesn't mean he can't improve, but you just saw, you know, counting on N'Kobe Dean, how'd that work out for you? So it's not a good idea to count on unproven players um, in the Eagles. Man, they, they got to remake that entire defensive side of the ball. Um, there's still a lot of pieces on the defensive front, but if you're going to lose Brandon Graham and not him, he wants to come back. He's already said that. Brandon's going to be 36 years old, still playing at a high level as a rotational player. Do you want to um, give him another $5 million to finish that 15th season? You might as well, to be honest. Fletcher's going to be 33. If somebody gives him two years, you might lose him. Uh, you know, the Jets wanted to give him $12 million this offseason. He came back for $10 million. Do you have another $10 million to give Fletcher Cox? And do you want to do you, or do you want to take the medicine and say, you know what, we just got to get younger. We got to get faster. We got to take two steps back to take one step forward. Um, there's a lot of big picture. It's not even just, Bill, about individual players. It's about big picture stuff. You know, sometimes you got to reboot and the Eagles might be at that spot. The championship window might have quietly closed and you might have to rebuild the personnel aspect before it opens again. Because as Jason kind of backtracked today, I think I'm going to be honest. I think that's about announcing it himself at a time he wants to announce it. I don't think he's going to be back. Um, So you also have to deal with Shifting Cam Jurgens to center, finding a longer-term right guard. Is that Tyler Steen? We saw nothing from Tyler Steen. He got one one opportunity to start and didn't play well. A um, lot of questions all over the place. Yeah, and you mentioned BG. Even though he still gives it his all when he plays, he only played 33% of the snaps this year. He just can't give you the amount of reps that he's given you in previous years. So you're right. They need to rebuild on the edge. Defensive tackle, maybe they'll be okay. We still don't know. What do we have in Jordan Davis? I know a lot of people were high on him at the start of the season. He started to tail off. There was all those reports that he's out of shape. He's being fined. What do you think they have in Jordan Davis? You think that guy's going to be a star and a starter for the Eagles for a long time? I'll tell you that. I don't. I. I. Hey, nothing's out of. Yeah, there's always weight clauses, and uh, I'll tell you for a 345 pound guy. Um, and that's what Jordan's listed at about you know, Jordan's about as good a shape as a 340 pound get pound guy I've ever seen. But, um, that doesn't translate necessarily into, uh, being able to play a whole heck of a lot of snaps. Um, I think the issue I, and you can ask Jody uh, next time you're on somewhere with Jody, Bill, he'll tell you, I said this from day one. I, I think the pick was too esoteric at 13 overall because this is a run stopper. Yeah. Two things about a run stopper. One, it's not sexy. So, you know, people want sacks when it comes to the 13th overall pick. And two, you're limited in number of snaps by the nature of the position. Um, you're a two-down player. Now, I, I, there were a lot of people. That's it. Well, he can develop. No, he's a run stuffer. He's not. He's athletic for a run stuffer. 
He's not athletic for an edge rusher. He's not going to play on the edge in the NFL. So I think he's a very good player if you understand his role. I think the Eagles understand his role and they're fine with him. But he's never going to be impacting as a pass rusher. So I always made the comparison to a Haloti Nada. If you're happy with an all-pro level run stopper, I think you're going to be happy with Jordan Davis. If, if you expect him to be Aaron Donald or Jalen Carter on the pass rush, you're going to be disappointed. And Nada was taken 12th overall. But I, I would have said, hey, taking just a pure run stopper at 13 would be too high. But, hey, they did take Haloti Nada at 12, but let's talk about that running defense for a second because this defense hasn't been good all year. But the one thing they did well to start the season and really through the first nine games of the season was stop the run. Even though people were picking them apart in the passing game and they struggled on third down, they were holding through the first nine games their opponents to an average of 66 yards rushing. And then you look at the last nine games and every single opponent including the Tampa Bay Bucks, put up over 100 yards rushing against this defense. What happened? How did this defense fall apart when it came to run defense? Well, they fell apart everywhere, but I, I think when it comes to uh, early in the season, they were having more success in general. Um, you know, maybe it wasn't quite like 2022, but game um, situation Fly, plays into it when it comes to the running game. Uh, if you're behind, you're going to pass it more, yada, yada. Um, Jordan, you know, they play the variable fronts, 50 front. When Jordan's on the field as the nose tackle on the 50 front, they're very difficult to deal with in the running game. Um, they don't have good linebackers. So part of the whole philosophy is, all right, Jordan's going to take up blockers and, and the linebackers got to go make the play. So you have subpar linebackers as well. So it all factors into it. But if you look at, if, if you look at the grades of, of the Eagles defense, you know, most of the issues are on the back seven. Um, you know, Jordan, for instance, was 30th of 130 for PFF. That's pretty damn good. Um, Fletcher was 20 of 130, had a really good season. Jalen was six of 130 because he was so good early in the first half. M Milton Williams was 33 of 130. Pretty damn good for, although he's a starter because he usually starts, Jalen Carter plays more, um, you know, that veteran deference. So if you look at those four defensive tackles, that – that's the best part of this team. We're just talking about personnel issues. That was the best part of this team, that four-man rotation, that four-man interior line rotation. All pretty good players that played at a pretty good level. And that's not even bringing up Marlon Tui-Pelotu and Moro Ajomo, who you know showed some signs here and there. Um, but those four, that four group, that's like, Last on my list, even yeah. even even behind the offensive line, because I don't think Jason's coming back. So now you have you got to figure out is Cam Jer Cam Jurgens 
Mike brought it up. Cam was not Isaac Sayamalo. Definitely and not against Tampa. He didn't have a great game in that wild no, card matchup. No, but in the whole season. And he missed a bunch of games as well. I think he missed five games. But um, hopefully he'll be better at center. But I guarantee one thing, he's not going to be as good as Jason Kelsey. Um, yeah, that's definitely a drop off. But, you know, you're talking about the D tackles, the D line. I agree with you. The D tackles aren't the issue. But if you don't have people behind them, even when the D tackles are taking on those blockers and making things easy for your linebackers, if you don't have linebackers that can stop the run, it doesn't matter. But yeah, yeah. They, I mean, TJ Edwards is a guy. I, people probably roll their eyes because I talk about him so much. But, you know, he was on a bad football team this year and he was still a great player. Um, I am surprised the Eagles didn't take more. I'm, they should have been proud of they. They should have taken that. We found this guy. We developed this guy. This guy turned into one of the best off-ball linebackers in football in Philadelphia. And they said, "Eh." And this is the team, by the way. Before they found um, T.J. Edwards, they were rolling through the L.J. Forts of the world, the Corey Nelsons of the world, the Eric Wilsons of the world, the Paul Warlows of the world. It's not like they were just, oh, we'll replace this guy with this guy. No, they stunk. And then they finally found one, and they let him go. Yep. Yeah, I've been saying the same thing all offseason. I said the same thing, is this team's not that good at finding young defensive talent and developing it. And this was a guy they actually did develop. He was undrafted. They found him. He turned into be not only a good player, he called your defense. He looked like he was a leader on the defensive side of the football. There's some people who say, oh, well, he just wanted to go back home. I, I think if they wanted to keep him, they could have made things work. But yeah. look, we're going to take one more quick break before we're joined by Chris Franklin of NJ.com. So make sure you guys hit that like button, hit that share button. This is Birds 365. I'm filling in for Jody Mack with the one and only John McMullen. We'll be right back. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes, go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Welcome back into Birds 365. I'm Bill Calarulo filling in for Jody Mack today with John McMullen. They haven't had the Mack and Mack crew all week because John was in Tampa, but you'll get them tomorrow, I think. Right, John? Jody will be back here tomorrow. I think so. We'll see. We'll see if it works out, Bill. Yeah, it's been a while. I haven't it's seen been a while, you. but good to spend yeah. some time with you, John. I appreciate it. Good Bill. to spend some time. So we've been talking a lot about this Philadelphia Eagles team and the coaching decisions they need to make, the personnel decisions they need to make. But they're not the only team in the NFC East that has some tough decisions. You look at the Dallas Cowboys, and there's some chatter. Do they move on from Mike McCarthy? And what do they do with their franchise quarterback? Because Dak Prescott is heading into the final year of his contract. He has a $60 million cap hit this year. $62 million, to be exact. They would love to extend him to lower that number, but do they have faith? that Dak Prescott is the answer. What's Jerry going to do? Move on from Mike? Is he going to give Dak an extension? Um, Yeah, all good questions. I mean, Jerry's a little bit more, um, I don't want to say him, because I think his reputation is that he's some kind of weird maverick. That's not the case, but I think he's a little bit less consistent than somebody like Jeffrey Lurie. Like I, I look at Jeffrey as being pretty damn consistent. If you look at the um, overall aspect of the way he does things, uh, whereas Jerry will, you know, take a, a little bit of a left turn now and again. Um, it, it's a question of, you know, Dak had a really good season, a really good regular season. And they've been so disappointing in the playoffs for a number of years, not just um, this year, it becomes, you know, what's more important. And then we talk about the emotion of the moment, what I was bringing up with Jason Kelsey. They were terrible. There's no defending it. They were terrible. But it is one game. And you can say, well, it's been a number of years where they've, they've you know what the bed in the playoffs, and that's true as well. It's always a one-game situation. And people are very cognizant that this is a week-to-week league. All it takes is one year to turn around that one game. Um, What are the odds that you can get better than Dak Prescott? 
It is so difficult. I, I see the same thing in Miami with Tua. People are saying, now you have to extend Tua. But he's pretty crappy in the playoffs. Well, they also didn't have any edge rushers. They're playing in negative 30. Yeah, South Florida team in negative 30. Probably not going to do well. Um, can you get better at the most important position? The, I've called it the Kirk Cousins test for years. That's a damn good quarterback that nobody knows it. it. Matthew Stafford's an even better example of that. People said Matthew Stafford couldn't play. Everybody in the league knew how good Matthew Stafford was. He was in a terrible situation with a terrible team that made poor decisions, poor decisions, finally gets to the Rams, wins a Super Bowl, comes back. Now Detroit's finally good. And everybody's in, watching and playing, wow, making plays. He almost leads a far less team to upsetting the Detroit Lions. Everybody kind of knows he's a good quarterback. You almost have to pay, and people are saying the Eagles went too early on Jalen Hurts. No, they didn't. You have to pay the quarterback. It is the cost of doing business in the NFL. Are the Cowboys going to get better than Dak Prescott? No. So you better fix it with them. And you're talking about how the quarterback position is so important. And I, and I agree with you. And a name that keeps getting floated around to maybe fill the Atlanta Falcons job is Bill Belichick. And Bill Belichick, arguably the greatest coach of all time, learned over the last couple of years, it doesn't matter how good of a coach you are. If you don't have good quarterback play, you're not going to win a lot of games in the NFL. And that's why... I'm so surprised to hear that Belichick is considering Atlanta because who's their quarterback? Does he have faith in Desmond Ritter? <clears throat> well, you know, a lot of it is amazingly that I don't think he's going to have a lot of options, to be honest. Um, he's 71 or yeah, he'll be 72 at the start of the season. 72. There's a little bit of ageism there. There's a little bit of a, a philosophy that, um, you know, maybe he's behind the times offensively and everybody wants the big offensive line. Everybody wants Ben Johnson. He's the flavor of the month, uh, flavor of the week, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's amazing that people talk themselves into thinking Ben Johnson's a better football coach than Bill Belichick, but here we are. If you ask most of this league, then I'd rather have Ben Johnson. Part of it is, you know, you always have that pie in the sky thought of, wow, if we get this guy here, we can have him here for 20 years. Said the same thing about Adam Gase, um, Arthur Smith's of the world. The Eagles wanted to hire Adam Gase in 2016. They really wanted to hire Adam Gase. They, it, it, people don't learn from their mistakes in this league. That's Did why they want. Did they want McAdoo before they hired Peterson too? Look how that turned out. They wanted uh it was Adam Adam Gase first and then Adam uh um he pushed he, he pushed for personnel power and the Eagles were coming off Chip Kelly and they said no. So that's and then it was McAdoo. And they by the way, they had a welcome basket for Ben McAdoo, a literal welcome basket. Uh, and the Giants convinced him to turn around on the Jersey turnpike. That's not a made up story. Uh, they were going to hire Ben McAdoo. Um, Thank God they didn't. <laughs> and 
and they ultimately and the same thing with Nick Sirianni is you know they were very close to hiring Josh McDaniels and Jeffrey Lurie deserves all the credit for Kai Bosch and that um and they ultimately went to uh Nick Sirianni so sometimes it's better to be uh lucky than good and you talk about Lurie for a second because a lot of people are saying Maybe they wouldn't fire Nick Sirianni under normal circumstances, but look at who's available. And they're citing names like Belichick, like Mike Vrabel. But if history tells us anything about Jeffrey Lurie, is they're probably, even if they move on from Sirianni, he doesn't like hiring retread no. coaches, and he doesn't like hiring defensive coaches. No, it so, is bizarre. I'm glad you brought that up, Bill. I don't want to out these people, but you know, you get these odds and these gambling companies um send you the thing and it's basically build up eagles 2024 coaching odds now nick sirianni still the favorite at about 30.8 percent they did it by percentages um then the other names on the list listen to this list mike Vrabel, bill belichick mike mcdonald defense 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 p carroll defense Dan Quinn, defense. Raheem Morris, defense. Every single one except Ben Johnson, who they're not getting, is in the middle. Every sin- Do these people even pay attention to what Jeffrey Lurie has done? Even no. pay one iota of attention. I, 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 I'm, it's amazing to me. It is amazing. And we finally got a buddy, Chris Franklin. So, Xander, pop him up uh, when you can. Chris, good seeing you. You made it back. Hey guys, hey guys. Sorry about that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a day yesterday. I put that way. I'm sorry wow. about that. I'm with yeah, you, man. How you guys no, doing? I, I, hey, it was a tough travel day for all of us. When did you, when did you get back? Did you have issues? I didn't have issues. I got back at nine, but then I got told there was a possibility of a press conference, and then yeah, I stayed up. So basically, I got a before last night. Got a, like. To, I slept on the plane. That was about it. And I was up since like 10 yesterday. It was just bad. Nah, <laughs> I, got, I was like, oh, what the heck happened? I was, so I apologize about that. It was a long couple days. So we'll start. All right. We'll start right with the headline. Uh, Chris Franklin's thoughts. Yay or nay? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Nick Sirianni going to return as the Philadelphia Eagles head coach. I, I, I think he stays. I so think I'm he, I, 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 I think he stays, and it's going to. I think the staff is going to look considerably different. I mean, yeah, you can't go back in three. You can't go in with that with that defense. That that they're a clean house, and I think you look at a couple options. And I don't know. I, I'm pounding. I'm pounding the uh, the drum for Jesse Minter from Michigan. I, I'm on that. I'm on that route. I think he. They young, interviewed him. Yeah, they interviewed him last yeah. year. I want an innovative yeah, guy. A, I'm done with this Spangio yeah, scheme. Yeah, I, I want too. I want somebody to come up with something. <laughs> different. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you so made your standing. You're standing up. I was like, you guys. Yeah, it's like, it's like okay, this game is Sirianni. Yeah, yeah, but Jesse is to. a guy. Yeah, we we got a little bit of a lack. Hopefully that I don't I don't know if that's me, but we'll fix it. Jesse Minner. All right, you mentioned him. Now, they interviewed him, and they went in a different direction. So I do think he has a leg in the door. I do think they're going to remake that entire defensive coaching staff. 
But when you look back at this year, Chris, and you see what happened on the defensive side of the football, I I think the people that do argue that Nick Sirianni should be back are making a mistake by focusing on the offense because I think clearly the worst decision this team, coach, organization, if you want to blame Jeffrey and how he made, was the move from Sean Desai to Matt Patricia. That was an abject disaster. Any way you look at it. Yeah, and I look at it not just him. I think it's just overall when he came to the overall decision to even hire Sean Desai. Because, you know, I know he had the uh, credentials like, hey, he's the next up-and-coming guy, and he'll be around. He knows Vangio. He's friends with Vangio. And then we saw it worked at times when you saw like Miami and stuff. But overall, there's just like there's certain flaws that started to peak its head, especially late. And I think teams started to find out that defense. And then when they started start to see a little freelance networks going on as well, too. So I look at that. But, yeah, that that, that was the that was the flashpoint, I think, to really – it, there was a bunch of holes in that boat, but I think when they made that change, it basically was like them stomping up and down that ship and allowed all that water to take on all that water. And then from there on out, it was, it was rough. So yeah, the defense to me was the, the biggest part office. You still look at the numbers. You still look at that. Yeah. Maybe still, but at least they were still putting up numbers and in, 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 at times and, and more consistently than what the defense was doing. Here's my fear with that defense though. Can't you see a scenario where Jeffrey Lurie, and Howie Roseman convinced themselves, let's give Matt Patricia a full offseason because this wasn't a fair assessment. He was running Sean Desai's defense, and now we run it back with Matt Patricia as the D.C. next year. Yeah, I can't. I, can't. I think I think he had, even though he said, okay, you can call your, call your defense, but you can call defense and you still run somebody else's thing. No, I think, I think he saw some elements of Patricia being shown there because – Look how much Hassan Reddick was dropping back in the coverage. And look how much Josh Sweat, guys who you need to rush the passer, your best pass rushers in that aspect. And they got caught. They, they were doing stuff that shouldn't have been done. And to me, I think when you look at the sidelines after some of those things, and, and Patricia has respect of the guys in there. I mean, you saw, saw him like talking to Fletcher Cox, they were smiling. I think he's got respect from guys in there. But I can't see running that back, knowing that if you're if you're trying to even try track some free agents in that aspect, to try to say, hey, you know what, come here. And then you saw what happened at defense, especially as la- during that collapse, and Patricia was there for the last those last few weeks. How do you have faith doing that too? So I think even when you look to try to get people, in free, especially free agents, in here, I don't think you can bring them back in there at all. Yeah, that would be very difficult sale uh, to the organization, certainly the fan base. But you know who's also a difficult sell for the fan base? And I think he's coming back. And I think if you hope he's not coming back, you better hope he gets the Carolina head coaching job. And that's Brian Johnson. You know, one of the things that we saw after an extensive cooling off period uh, after the loss in Tampa, Chris, when we got in that locker room, Basically, the first thing we saw, Brian Johnson, Jalen Hurts having a very long discussion. I don't think the quarterback wants Brian Johnson to go anywhere. What are your thoughts on on Brian Johnson returning? I think he does. So, if anything, I think most of the offensive staff stays intact. I, I really, I really do. And yeah, that was that was t- like when he first came in. You know, you see him like they were just. Heads down, and Jalen will say, You're taking it hard. They're, they're sitting there and they're talking and everything. I'm like, 
Yeah, this the more it sets in, like yeah, they're, they're more connected to it. Like we all know they had that relationship from the past, but I, I'm wondering one of the things where you, you let him like I, w- I wonder how much you tweak that offense. Like can you how much can you really tweak that offense? Do you let Brian like really let Brian take put his stamps and, and his fingerprints on his office more than running what Nick is almost literally what we were talking about, Patricia and everything. You need to let I think you need to let Brian fully implement what his is. When it comes to wide receiver screen, I think it's more of a box count when all that stuff like in the blitz and design that blitz. And I think when you look at that, I think that's on Nick Sirianni. I think it's on Brian Johnson. I think it's on Kevin Petullo and all those guys when you look at, at this stuff. So it's time for an overhaul. I, I don't – I want to say he had to completely throw out this playbook, but I think it's just a lot of things they need to change and tweak. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see him going around like to some of these schools around it that they have success like – I, I want to say I'll be uh, Tommy Reese, but you know that's Tommy Reese, big Nick Sirianni <laughs> guy. <laughs> but but say, try to go some of these other schools that are doing well in the college ranks, and maybe see like, hey, just don't run how they do the blitz pickup when they run the spread and and, and have success in the middle of the field because that's an error. If anything, they don't have we do those. They do those self scouts and those projects in the off season. That's to me, that's number one. I don't care what state fails. That's for all the coaches, maybe except for Stoutland, but all the coaches like. Receivers coach, running backs coach, all the offer, other guys, blitz, blitz recognition, and blitz, and overall in that part of our playbook. You mentioned that we think Jalen Hurts may want Brian Johnson to come back. And earlier on the show, John and I were talking about how Jalen Hurts has had a couple of opportunities to put his support behind Nick Sirianni publicly. And he hasn't taken those opportunities. He's given some lukewarm support, if anything. Do you think there's something going on between Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni not seeing eye-to-eye? Because we talk about Sirianni coming back. If Jalen Hurts has a problem with Sirianni, you may not be able to bring him back with how tied up you are financially to Jalen. From what I heard, it's it's nothing like it's a chasm or anything like that between Sirianni and Hurts when it comes to that part. From what I heard, I got different people that talk to and stuff like that. So I haven't heard there's anything, any issues or anything like that. That whole thing, I think that was Jalen trying to be, like, say something smart, but he didn't. In his Sabinism thing, I didn't know he was going stuff like that. It's like everybody heard, everybody knows that. Like, even if you talk guys in the locker room coming, like, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, you ignore it. So it's like, come on now. Yeah, but no, I think it's a. Uh, I don't think I think he's throwing the support in the past to him as well too. I don't think it's one of those things where, uh, yeah, I don't see there's anything that's going to directly affect them. Uh, that now I think they're they're both be back. And I don't think there's anything going to be an issue between those two when it comes when all said and done when it comes to that. Well, that's what I also said, Chris. I, you know, some people have taken it in a negative way. Jalen's Jalen. I mean, when he wins, he tells you nothing. When he loses, he tells you nothing. So he's not going to be, you know, the one thing with Jalen, I would say when when AJ came out after the the Seattle game, uh, you know not directly after, but eventually confirmed that, hey, you know what? That was our fault. That wasn't Nick's fault. I thought, and it was actually Zach Berman, our buddy Zach, who brought it up first. And I said, that's a good point. And he said, you know, Jalen could have taken accountability for that. And he didn't. And he doesn't. He doesn't typically do that. But he doesn't take credit when they're winning either. It's just Jalen Hurts. So I'm like, you know, where do you weigh it? You can't get 
put more on it after a loss than after a win. Is that how you kind of look at the way Jalen handles his business? It's like there are times I, I don't want to see him go. Like, he, he just stays down the same path no matter what. And there's times I just want to see him like, hey, you know what? At least with us, or at least it's when he's talking to everybody else, trying to convey a message around, like, hey, get off. It's okay to like show that emotion and show like, hey, you know what? I, I think this is good. Anything else? He's too. I think he's too busy trying to make everything like, okay, no, everything's fine. Everything's average. We're not going to get too high, not get too low. I think sometimes I can get a little stale at times. So I think that's yeah. why part of the things when you look at that and you you, you want to change. Now, like, when he's with behind closed doors, maybe he's a little more vocal. Maybe, but I doubt that just because that's him. It's like, he freeze on us. We got a frozen Chris Franklin, which is exciting. See if you can bring Chris back because I want to. I want to give him that list of coaches I I gave to you, Bill. Yeah, and 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 start thinking about, you know, defense, 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 defense. Uh, it's just amazing to me that uh, people go down the route. If you know, you got to look at the young offensive minds if you want to start talking about replacing Nick Sirianni. And then again, my whole point with that is then you're rebooting to 2021 Nick Sirianni. So you're essentially saying we want to take a step back. But even these offensive geniuses or big offensive minds that are all the talk right now, that doesn't go with Jeffrey Lurie's history either. They usually find the guy that nobody is talking about. They did it with Sirianni. They did it with Peterson. Yeah, but you know, we'll see if we can bring Chris. But you know what? We're talking about potential. Um you know what, Nick, though, the Eagles wanted Adam Gase and Ben McAdoo, who were the hot candidates. They wanted to interview. <laughs> yeah, I know, Chris. They wanted to interview Arthur Smith and Brandon Staley and Robert. They did interview Robert Sala. They they interviewed Arthur as well, I believe. They didn't get to interview Brandon Staley, but they were too late in the process. So, no, they ended up where they ended up because Jeffrey tends to drag his feet and he will drag his feet here again, that people expecting Nick Sirianni to get fired today and clean out day ain't going to happen. Chris can speak to that. This is about the players and exit meetings. And then he won't even meet with Nick Sirianni uh, today. Uh, Probably, you know, you never say never, but probably. Um, so, Chris, the, the list I have, and I'm sure you get it, you, we, we get these emails from these gambling companies, and I, I, don't, even oh, say their, I don't even want to say their names. Uh, here, here's the, the coach odds for the Eagles. They say Sirianni's most likely to come back. And here are the names after Sirianni, though. Mike Vrabel, defense. Bill Belichick, defense. Mike McDonald, defense. Pete Carroll, defense. Dan Quinn, defense. Raheem Morris, defense. They even pay attention to what Jeffrey Lurie's you know, history. What is the point? <laughs> and, oh, there's one I thought that was pretty funny that had like Terrell Owens and Donovan McNabb at the oh, end of it. It's like, come on, guys, no, it's not yeah. happening. No, yeah. like this is enough to stop spamming my inbox, please. But I know, yeah, that's not happening. It's, and Johnson's probably the closest thing they have to that one. And, yeah. and even then, I think I, I look at Detroit. I think he's done a good job with that talent, but a lot of stuff is just. But they like, keep putting them in good position. A lot of stuff is just like, would somebody else do it? Uh, I, I mean, somebody else could eat. I, I have my questions about Ben Johnson too. So, 
Yeah, there's no way there. I, I don't think there. I wouldn't say no way, but I think it's very low of the higher defensive minded head, head coach. It's Bel, Bel, even Belichick when I'm like, I, I don't know because of him. I know he said, like, I don't want same personnel, but would that change like a year or two if, like, if he's entrenched here? So. Yeah, I don't see myself. That's what sort of derailed Josh McDaniels, him and how he said, yeah, we'll get along. And Jeffrey was like, yeah, no, you won't <laughs> eventually. And they went in a different direction and probably rightfully so. Um, yeah. Yeah. I. It's amazing to me that nobody pays attention to history. But what they almost hired. You remember when they hired Chip Kelly? Wasn't Gus Bradley at yeah. Jeffrey Lurie's house ready Gus to get Buss. hired? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Chip changed his mind. They always wanted Chip, and Chip originally yeah. said, no, I'm going to stay in college. And then Chip, so Gus kind of got um, screwed there. But they, they were going. That's that's good. And obviously, he's a defensive mind. So you never say never. Uh, but when it came down to Chip, um, certainly as soon as Chip said he wanted to do it, the Eagles were going to hire him. And by the way, Chip Kelly people, he were, really was ahead of his time, Chris. He he really, a lot of the stuff he brought to the NFL, I thought he had no filter. But a lot of the stuff with the tempo, the RPO looks, he 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 doesn't get enough credit for changing this league as a whole, I think. Did we get freezed up, Chris? Did you hear that, Chris? We got a bad uh -oh. connection with Chris, I think. That's all right. All right. Uh, I wanted yeah. to get his thoughts. But yeah, I think Chip doesn't get enough credit, Bill. I, you know, he had no filter, fans, though. You thought you got the fans angry before saying that you liked if you, they, <laughs> a lot, a lot Chip of the things he, it's the sports science stuff, he was ahead of his time. But the thing, and by the way, Bill Belichick loved Chip Kelly, but. And I always say he would bring in Chip Kelly and pick his mind. And that's yeah. what makes Bill great because Bill had to filter. He said, this is good. Yeah. This is bad. And Chip only had one speed, which yeah, was you're right with the sports science stuff. And I, I always have Dave Spadaro on my other show. He says the best thing Chip Kelly ever did was he brought that smoothie bar. That's still down there at the. Yeah. Oh Network. yeah. His smoothies. Now. The sleep monitors for grown men were a little much, as was, you know, checking the urine to see if they're hydrated properly. That was yeah. probably a little bit too much, but uh, a lot of good ideas. And and the offensive, the RPO stuff, everybody runs it now. Everybody. So, you know, that was part of it. Uh, one last shot with Chris. Let's bring him back. Let's bring him back. I want to talk personnel. <laughs> Are you there? Yeah, let's try this on the phone because the laptop and the Wi-Fi is not agreeing with me this morning. I apologize for that. At C. Franklin News, so we get one last one. Make sure you read, Chris. Uh, tremendous coverage of the loss in Tampa. What time we get out of there? It was like, I don't know, it was really late. Was two or three, Dylan, yeah, take his sure. time. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> NJ.com. Um, and I'm going to be the first to raise my hand here. In hindsight, I overrated the personnel on this team. I think we all did. I don't think they're – they had so many career years in 2022, a lot of regression to the mean. Should we have expected that? I, I think this is not the 85 Bears, and I think a lot of fans think they are, and Nick Sirianni screwed it up. I think there's a lot of personnel issues. 
offensively, I don't see the, I don't see the personnel issues. Off defensively, I think yeah, that back seven. I thought I thought Byron would at least give you a little bit more on on that back seven. I thought you could you would have gotten a, a little bit more from the lo- linebackers, right? But I think the Kobe Dean when you lost him, I thought he would at least get a little bit more, and then they started scrambling a little bit. Zach Cunningham gave you more than that one too, but Morrow gave you a little bit less than what you're doing too. I think yeah, I think we over, we did overlook, especially on that back seven and. It's one of those things where you're looking at these uh, when you have these three picks in the top in the top sixty or something like that. I think you got to use two of them at least on defense. You need to because you need to get younger in that aspect. You need to start rebuilding that aspect and have these guys play together too. So, yeah, uh, it, it's looking back where I really thought they would be a lot better than what they were. And I'm not saying they we're going to be top three or four. I thought maybe it'd be at least 10, 15 and take the defense to get a little used to this the new defensive coordinator, but. This was just bad. It was just bad overall, and consistently got worse. And yeah, it's almost like you need to blow it. Almost like you, you, it's almost like you need to take a step back in a way defensively in order to rebuild it, build it properly, and then go forward from here on out. My concern is, I agree. They need to draft some defensive players. I just don't know if you look at Howie Roseman's track record that he has the ability to draft defensive players that can contribute to this team. So. Hopefully, I mean, look, this rookie class that they have, I have some hopes for these guys, but you look at the past, it's not good. <laughs> no, it is not. No, it's, it's, it's bad. Yeah, it's, it's, and don't expect, to see the, don't expect to see the line because it's going to come up again. Well, the Eagles don't have a linebacker. They haven't drafted one this first round. Yeah. Water's wet. We're going to hear the same thing, same thing with the odds. Defensive coach, uh, 22nd, the Eagles will pick. In the first round, I didn't think we'd be talking about the draft uh, this quickly, but they no. start at the 22nd pick. We'll see what Howie does. He can move up, move down, but yeah, he's not taking an all-ball linebacker. <laughs> you know, it gives me it gives me vibes. I remember uh, I went to the Odell year where like it seems like there's a lot of the talent was like in the top 20 or 22. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised they use and they have all those compensatory picks too. I would be I, I, if I'm them, I'm trading up. I'm using like, say, one of those fifths or fourth, or since you have two twos, maybe use a three to move up. I think you need to be aggressive. Hey man, to get it, if you think, I, if you think there's a difference maker, go get the difference maker. Uh, more, more than numbers, <laughs> more than numbers. I think everybody gets caught up in numbers. I'm like, I, I want the difference maker, and if you have that guy, you can figure out stuff around him. But uh, like CJ, CJ Gardner Johnson as a playmaker. Look what a playmaker in the back seven versus not having a playmaker. Look at the difference on a defense. I, yeah. Look at Antoine Winfield uh, for Tampa Bay, man. Get a player like that um, more than numbers, uh, and then you can kind of figure out, and, and the role players will fit in nicely. That's kind of how I look at it. But we got plenty of time. We're going to talk draft with Chris Franklin <laughs> Many, many times at C. Franklin News, um, NJ.com. He will be down there today for clean out day, much earlier than expected. But I will say this we don't have to go to Romulus, Michigan, Chris Franklin. <laughs> Best name ever. Or Dearborn, Michigan, the new Northeast Philly uh, version of that out there. Yeah. Oh, no, it's Captain Jays. And all. I, I am upset we're not going to get to Captain Jays. Yeah, and, no, and well, that's that true. No Slay. Yeah, Slay. <laughs> got the Slay seal of approval. Um, oh. But, yeah, I'm kind of, especially at this time of year, no offense to Romulus, but I'm kind of happy I don't have to go to Romulus. 
It's a name just sounds great. I miss it. It's funny. Or Mom Spaghetti. Mom Spaghetti is actually pretty good. Plug, plug him in his place. But yeah, but who knew? Who knew we'd be talking about Detroit and like looking forward to going to Detroit? And it's like, oh, oh wait, never mind. Yeah. That would have this, been a great environment, though. Those people are fired up, and that place yeah. is loud. Man. Yeah, most expensive divisional round ticket ever, they're saying. Yeah. That oh. Loud. It's crazy. I can see why. Is they? I kind of. I kind of want to see Detroit get get far. At least get a Super Bowl. Just those people, those fans deserve to stick around that long with that team. As bad as it's been to lose those friends, they they, they deserve it. So I, I, I kind of want to see them go get a Super Bowl this time now. You're not kidding. Well, Chris, appreciate it, man. Get some rest before clean out day today. <laughs> I don't try. I was done. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Sorry for all the issues today, but thank you guys for having me on. Thanks, no worries, Chris. man. Always appreciate it. So, John, that's it, man. I had some fun with you today. Nice two hours of Birds 365. Hey, thank you. Thank you for filling in. Thank you for filling in for me. Um, it's been a uh, difficult week with the schedules and, and back and forth. And uh, Jody, uh, condolences to Jody. He's at a funeral. His uh, mother-in-law passed away. So uh, he'll be back tomorrow. And again, hat tip to Bill Calarulu for for uh, stepping in, doing a tremendous job on uh, Birds 365. Not where we want to be, but uh, yeah. I always say the offense is more exciting than the in-season, the off-season, uh, not the offense. The off-season in the NFL is often more exciting than in-season, and there is a lot of storylines for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's definitely this season. I mean, you look at last off season, wasn't much to talk about. Everything was pretty positive, but man, there's a lot of question marks going into this year's. So well, stay tuned, everybody. I'll be right back here on the Philly sports power hour. Next. We're bringing on Kayla Santiago today. Get a little Sixers talk. They had a big Spectres. win. last night. Yeah. Turn the page. Sixers look good. Yes. Yeah, so they had a big win last night. So stay tuned. John, have fun today down at the clean out day. Get us some good news, man. All right. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. See everybody. Hit that like button on the way out. You've been listening to Birds 365. The destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.